Now today I just want to bring you a, a word in season on what it means to be a faithful follower in this moment we're in. You see, it's such a challenging time we're in, isn't it? I remember that moment, I'm sure you do too, the Saturday before Christmas. It was about quarter to five in the afternoon when Boris Johnson made his statement. And in the statement, it talked about Christmas being cancelled. Now, now forgive me, but no politician can cancel the celebration of the birth of the saviour of the world. But we knew what he meant, that gatherings, certainly where I live, would be cancelled that Christmas. There was great disappointment, particularly for my kids. They wouldn't get to see their grandparents and the grandparents at a distance were deeply disappointed. I'm not sure anyone was disappointed about me, but the grandparents, the grandkids, it was a really hard time. And we sat around our dining table and you know what? When, when my family worships, the Lord likes the noise, but I'm not sure the world does. We're not the best singers, but I felt compelled to sing in that moment, that simple chorus, our God reigns, our God reigns forever, your kingdom reigns. And in that moment, there was a powerful realization that whether things are going as we want or whether things continue to be challenging, God still reigns. And it's because we know and love this God that we need to continue continue to be his faithful followers in this season. So if you've got a Bible, I wonder if you'd turn it on or open it up and go with me to 2 Timothy 2. I'm just going to read the first 10 verses of that chapter. It says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown, except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. 2 Timothy 1 has ended with Paul's sort of reference to the fact that loads of Christians in the Roman province of Asia have deserted the faith. One Sephorus in his household seemed to be the exception. Now Paul urges his dear friend Timothy that he too, in the midst of the general landslide, might stand firm, might stand his ground. It's a bit like us right now, in the midst of the challenge, in the midst of the landslide and the difficulty around us, we need to stand firm. There's a call here to strengthen yourself by God's grace, not just to get over it and crack on. In this season, we're not supposed to just get over it, but by God's grace, be strengthened to keep going. And it's like this is Paul's last word to the church before he dies. He wants future generations to continue in the fullness of the gospel without compromise. And so he focuses on his dear friend Timothy's character and how he can develop it through the use of three occupations, each of which will help him grow and become more like Jesus. 
And I think we too are called to develop in these three areas and they're really important for us right now. But again, in verse one, we will have the grace for it. God will help us. And the first that Paul refers to is in verses one to four, the endurance of the soldier. You know, the endurance to keep going like the soldier. In November, we at the Evangelical Alliance organized a UK day of prayer. And so we rang around a number of stream leaders and a number of, of Christian folks to check that they were engaging and were up for that. And, and our day of prayer was on a Friday. And what blew me away was I rang a number of people and discovered that actually throughout the start of lockdown, even to today, every Friday, there are gatherings of people meeting to pray for the least, the last, the lost, for an end to this virus. Some were just praying for an hour and a half on a Friday, some whole nights of prayer. And and we were able to join in with these and many others. But it was amazing to think every Friday without fail, people were showing up to pray because they want to see an end to this season. And a soldier does not expect a safe or easy time. They give up the comforts and securities of the world and show discipline in order to see victory. That's verse four. And we too should not expect an easy time when we follow Jesus. We'll face opposition. We may face ridicule. And in this season, I think it's important that we focus on who we serve. Jesus is our priority. We need to get our focus on him. You know, you can't do anything if you get easily distracted. And there are so many distractions around us. And distractions are so easy to find and yet so hard to lose. We're in it together. And and like a good soldier, we need to serve with others, but we need to be in it for all people too. My wife, Anne, is from a place called the Wirral, just outside Liverpool. So she's like a plastic scouser. And the Wirral's really posh. And A lot of people from the Wirral go on holiday to a place called Abersock at the end of the Clin Peninsula in North Wales. And one year we did this with our young family. Now, the problem is that Abersock is a bit designer label for my charity wages. And my kids wanted a present, so I wasn't sure what to do. Until we found a shop called Bargain Bonanza. This was clearly the place I was going to buy my kids a present. I gave them a couple of quid each and my daughter bought some stationery. And my son bought these little plastic soldiers with parachutes that you throw and they fly. I used to have them as a boy, except you got about 20 times as many for the same price. We went back to where we were staying. It was right by by the beach, but it was on a cliff top. And so just below the cliff was the beach. And my son said to me, Daddy, can you throw one all the way to the beach? Now, common sense would dictate I probably couldn't. But, you know, I said, yeah, of course I can. I'll have a go. So I got one of these little soldiers, I ran up and I threw it. And it went about a meter and a half onto the open cliff face and got stuck. I turned back towards the house to get another one, but I could hear my son whimpering. (laughs) I turned around and he said, Daddy, no, don't get another one. We need to get that one. Pointing to the one on the open cliff face. I said, why? He said, Daddy, a soldier never leaves a man behind. I said, where did you get that? He said, Toy Story 2. But you know, in all truth, a soldier never leaves a person behind. We as the church need to be looking out for all people in this season, showing the endurance of a soldier, journeying with our fellow soldiers, but seeking to help everyone. Whatever happens, you know, this season is hard, it's difficult, and we're struggling and it's challenging. But whatever happens between now and the end of time, however many good things happen, but however many bad things happen, the end of the story remains the same. We know the end of the story. Jesus wins. 
Therefore, in the middle of the story, we show the endurance of a soldier. He has the victory. We keep going. We belong to him. But secondly, in verse 5, Paul says to Timothy that he needs the obedience of an athlete. The obedience of an athlete. I've been amazed by the obedience of so many in this season. I've rung around so many people and I've never known so many people planting new churches, doing new things, trying to reimagine stuff because God's calling them to, to keep the substance but change the style and to do something different out on a limb. It's been amazing to hear so many stories. And to be a successful athlete, we must train hard, obey the rules so we're not disqualified. That's verse 5. The Lord is looking for those who'll make sacrifices, for those who'll obey him over their own wants, desires and longings. You know, great moves of God are usually preceded by small acts of obedience. We so often think God does in the big all the time. But if you look at scripture, so often God does in the small what he'll later do in the big. Small acts of obedience lead to huge outcomes. For example, when Elijah sees the widow of Zarephath's kid resurrected, that's an amazing moment, but it's one life. Then a couple of chapters later, he faces 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah, and he's able to take on 850 because he's seen God do in one life what God could then do in many lives. And so he's seen in the small what gives him the confidence to then see in the big. And for some of us, we need to realize that God wants to do in small things what he'll then do in big things. And for some of us, we therefore just keep going and keep serving. A few years ago, I was in a race against Mo Farah. Many people refer to it as the London Marathon. And I ran the London Marathon. And, you know, if you train properly for a marathon, the first 13 miles are fine. I wouldn't say they're easy, but they're not hard. And in the London Marathon, you get to the 13th mile. And at this point, you go over Tower Bridge. Then you have this really demoralizing moment. It's the only moment when the elite athletes are on the other side of the road to you. They're at 23 miles and you're going at 13. At 13, you're starting to struggle. And at 23, they look fresh as a daisy. Then you end up going into Docklands. It's the most boring part of the marathon. There's the least crowds and there's not much to see. And at this point, people start doing what you should never do in a marathon. They start stopping. They stop for a stretch. They stop to walk. You should never stop. You just need to keep going. At times, others were walking as fast as I was running. But the fact they started walking makes it so much harder to finish. You just need to keep moving. Before I started the marathon, I decided that I would take nothing from anyone by the side of the road offering things. You know, in a pre-COVID world, if someone offered you a jelly baby, you could take one. But I decided I wasn't going to take anything. But at this point, it was like, I need to keep going. I was taking everything, handfuls of sweets and chocolate, Vaseline and everything else, just to keep moving. And around me, more and more people stopping to stretch, stopping to give up, stopping to walk. Then I saw the London Eye, and it was about this big. And you forget the London Eye is huge. When I first saw it, I thought I'm near the end. But there were miles of seeing this London Eye get slightly bigger all the time. People were stopping. People were stretching. Keep going. My wife, Anne, I'd spoken to her before the race and said, just be at three or four different places, but don't tell me where. Because it would have been typical, wouldn't it? You run for 20 miles, you walk for 10 meters, your wife's at the bit where you're walking. So, you know, I used that as well to help me keep going. Then I got to a sign with 200 meters to go at the top of the mile. Before the marathon, I wanted to do it in under four hours, but I'd had some problems. However, I was doing it to raise money for young people to meet Jesus. It was when I worked for Youth for Christ. 
And one of my sponsors had said they would double their £1,000 gift to £2,000 if I did it in under four and a half hours. I get to 200 metres to go, look at my watch, four hours, 29 minutes and 21 seconds. I realise at this point I'm in trouble because you know what, I only have gears one and two, I don't know how to sprint, I don't have that, I'm built for power, not for speed. However, I think to myself, I'd do almost anything for a thousand pounds to help young people hear about Jesus. So I start to sprint, it's, it's really uncomfortable. It looks like Kermit the Frog, all arms and legs, or Phoebe running in Friends. And I sprint and sprint and sprint and I get over the finish line. I look at my watch, four hours, 29 minutes, 59 seconds. I did it, I was so pleased. Then I nearly collapsed. But here's the thing, I learned that day, sometimes you just gotta keep going. Doesn't need to be graceful, doesn't always need to look beautiful, but you need to keep going like the obedient athlete. I think the Lord is moving us to a place of maturity for what's to come. We need lives laid down, only running for a heavenly prize. I've been amazed in this season too that some of my friends that are the holiest, the most committed, the the most sacrificial already in their faith are saying, Lord, I want more. They're hungry for more of God, so they're making even bigger moves towards him. One of my close friends who who spends more time in the presence of the Lord than almost anyone I know is just starting a 21-day fast. Why? Because he's saying, in this season, I need to get even closer to Jesus. I need to lay everything down so I can know him better, become more like him, and be in the kind of condition I need to be for what is to come. It's like it's a time of being trained. Many are saying as we reach new levels of the Lord, it's like there's new devils too. The enemy's attacking as our relationship with the Lord is growing. And we need a greater leaning into Jesus, new weapons for the battle. This is a wonderful season in which to learn some rhythms and disciplines. Most of us have got a lot more time at home. We've got a lot more opportunity to learn new habits. And this is a great time to go deeper in your walk with the Lord, to grow your prayer life, to press into the word of God in new ways. And we need the obedience like the athlete to do what sometimes is sacrificial and sometimes hurts in order for the greater good. And in your walk with the Lord, maybe now is a wonderful time to go deeper with him. So the endurance of the soldier, the obedience of the athlete. And thirdly, in verse 6, the patience of the hard-working farmer. The patience of the hard-working farmer. I spoke to a friend who runs a church the other day, and in their church they've had a food bank for years, but they've always believed this could go to another level in saving those in their community. And they've waited and kept doing it and prayed and, and worked at it, but only in this season has the food bank ministry really exploded. They've ended up having too much food to have at the church, so they've ended up having portable food bank collection areas like wheelie bins at the end of people's drives to collect all the food that people are wanting to give. They've got these, uh, these church food bank bins on the end of drives of those who'd go nowhere near the church. They've got atheists giving them money. They've got people throwing food at them and also wanting to hear their message of hope. For years they have plowed away. And in this season, when the opportunity is so great and, and the need so significant, they've been able to step up and see wonderful results in serving their community. You know, like the farmer or like that church, we must work hard. But we wait patiently for the crop. That's verse 6. We put down strong foundations for the future in relationships. 
I know for me and my wife in this season, we're desperately trying to put down roots and relationship with our kids, pointing them to Jesus, but spending the time with them and sowing seed in their lives that will hopefully reap for the long term. But we'll have to wait and be patient. The Lord is looking for those who love him, who linger with him and love and develop others. This is not a time for converts or consumers. For a while in the West, there was so much consumption of Christianity, but this is a time for discipleship, genuine, authentic disciples relentlessly pursuing Jesus. I had a debate with a couple of secularists in this season and and they were talking about what they had to offer. And in the end, it becomes so clear. And this is what I said, friends, with the greatest respect, secular humanism offers no hope in this season. You offer no hope for something greater than humanity. But friends, I can tell you about hope. Hope as a name, his name is Jesus. And Jesus offers hope in the darkest of times. We need to put our roots down deeply in this season so that we can survive future storms. Believe the church may be under some significant pressure in the years ahead, but when the church is under pressure, the church often grows. But also when the church is under pressure, it's the roots down with the Lord that will keep us going. You know, I love as well in this passage, the the image at the end that Paul speaks of. Paul is chained. He's literally in chains because of preaching the gospel. But he says, the word of God, the mission, the gospel is not. He's in chains for what he's done. The poor prison guards watching him would have heard the gospel a lot each day. But he's there in chains for the gospel. But he makes it clear, the gospel is not chained. Right now, we're in lockdown. But you know what? The gospel's not in lockdown either. In verse 9, it's clear, God's word is not chained. We've got an unchained gospel. If you look at the explosion over the last year of Alpha Online, of Christianity Explored, if you look at online church, yes, I know the numbers are up and down, but the amount of people that have engaged with church in the last year is unprecedented in the years before. If we look at the mortality salience going on within culture, where people are asking questions about their humanity and asking questions about life and death, the world is asking the questions we've been answering for decades when they weren't asking them. We've got a moment for the gospel. I also think if if COVID is a wave, there's a tidal wave for the society coming afterwards, the economic reality, the the long-term situation, the difficulties in younger generations with mental health and other things. The church has an opportunity to rise up and share an unchained gospel with a world desperately looking for hope when it's surrounded by pain. The soldier portrays a sense of priority. The athlete models discipline. And the farmer is the pattern of perseverance. Right now, the church needs these three things. We need our priority to be right. Our priority must be Jesus. We need our discipline to be right, developing habits and rhythms with him. And we need our perseverance to be in place so we can keep going despite the storms and difficulties. In verse 7, Paul encourages Timothy to reflect and ponder further on these three things. And I believe that's what we need to do as a church too. Reflect on which of these three things we most need the Lord to work on in us and through us now so that we could be even more effective in sharing his unchained gospel with a world in desperate need.